one constant through all the years, Ray, has been beyond the game. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Oh, I love that so much. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. Yeah, we're not quite as good as what we think we are. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That's the dumbest thing I could think of. You guys are so young and stupid. No idea who you're talking about. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to Beyond the Game. I'm Rick Benson. I'm here with Zach Barletta. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can give those good people a call at 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. We're glad to have you with us as we mix faith and sports and highlight the stories and the people of faith within the sports world. You can get our podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or it's available on our website, btgprogram.com. At our website, you can also find out more about us, as well as listen into previous programs, previous interviews and segments, btgprogram.com. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter and most other social media platforms at btgprogram. If you hadn't seen the video making its way around the internet, Louisville's Jalen Johnson got a bit mixed up last week in a college basketball game against North Carolina State and went to the wrong bench after being <laughs> subbed out. As a result, he couldn't just walk across the court. The game had was going on. So he had to go around the back of the bench, around that area behind the bench and in front of the front row of seats there, <laughs> behind the scorer's table. I mean, just obviously magnifying the embarrassment, drawing attention to himself, and basically, I guess, making sure nobody missed the mistake that he had made. You know, why is this player walking around back here? Uh, here's the thing I didn't get from that. If you haven't seen the video, Louisville, Louisville's wearing white jerseys. North Carolina State had black. We all make mistakes. I'm not picking on the guy. It's just a little, <laughs> a little funny. But you'd think that would be an easy one. Of all the things to remember... In a game while you're playing, what color your jerseys are should be an easy one. You would think. Former University of Buffalo and current Oakland Raiders star Kalik Mack accomplished something nobody had ever done before. The Associated Press named him an All-Pro at two different positions. He was named an All-Pro at both linebacker and defensive end. Mack turned in another strong season, totaling 15.5 sacks. If you're Brock Osweiler, you remember because you were sacked five times in one game by Mac. <laughs> Late season game against the Broncos. Mac says, I can do, I do whatever I can to help the team win. I'm a team guy, whether it's dropping coverage or rushing the, rushing the pass, passer. I can do either. I think they saw that. And I think they did. That's why, that's pretty cool though. You're two different positions. You're taking two all pro. Yeah. He's one that's of those nice hybrid season. types. Yeah. In other All-Pro nudes, the NFC beat out the AFC with 15 All-Pro nods to the AFC's 12. Texans defensive end J.J. Watt and Vikings running back Adrian Peterson, both unanimous selections. Kind of a strong bounce-back season for Peterson. Yeah. 
I mean, if there's two guys that are going to be unanimous selections, it would be those two guys, though. Yeah, I would agree. Carolina Panthers had six players named to the All-Pro list. The Patriots, Steelers, Bengals, Cardinals, and Rams each had two. Now, let me read that list again. Patriots, Steelers, Bengals, Cardinals, Rams each had two. Which one of these is not like the others? The Rams seem a bit out of place on that list. The only one of the, uh, the on the list that's not a playoff team, but all those teams sent had two All-Pro players. I haven't looked at the list, but for the Rams, was it Gurley and Donald? You know, I, d- I didn't note that. I, that would make sense. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else on the Rams you would want. <laughs> so I'm I visited a different church this week. I had some friends. We had there was an occasion going on, and I went to a church. I've been there a couple of times, but I saw an old friend. He comes up to me and he gives me a hug and he says, "Happy New Year." It's January tenth. <laughs> At what point is it no longer appropriate for Happy New Year? When do you stop saying Happy New Year? Like January second. Yeah, second, third, maybe, you know, if you see somebody you haven't seen in a while, but this is January 10th. There has to be a cutoff point, because, like, what if you don't see somebody until, you know, like, May, and the first time you've seen them all year is May, do you say Happy New Year in May? Where do you make that decision? This was definitely a late Happy New Year. I think you could get away with it anywhere during the first week, the first through the, through the seventh. Once you're into the second week of January... Yeah, it's it's time to put the Happy New Year's away, I think. Have you taken your Christmas tree down? I did. When did you do that? I did that, oh man, I want to say like the 5th or 6th. I mean, it was up a few you days. You got a live tree? Year. No, it's not. Yeah, we just took ours down too. But I, that's another one that's kind of that gray area. We have mm-hmm. neighbors um, who had, they really did their house up beautiful with Christmas lights. The thing is they left them on 24-7. You get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. It's 2, 3 in the morning, and their lights are just blazing. <laughs> but, all right, it was on. They put them up probably right after Thanksgiving, but they're down already. So that's like the official end of, of Christmas now that you can't have that. What? Once your neighbor's lights are down, then that tells you that it's over? I guess so. You know, they say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and I guess I never know who who they are. Do you, do you eat breakfast every day? Actually, I, I usually don't because I get up early for work. Generally, it's either breakfast or 20 more minutes of sleep, and I go with sleep anytime. I can't. I've tried it. I can't get by without, of course, you know, I'm a fat guy. I like to have my breakfast, but <laughs> I, I generally always will make an omelet. It gives me plenty of nutrition to start the day, but without a lot of calories. You know, you're throwing in things like onions, peppers, spinach. Things that are fairly yeah. healthy for you. I use the fake eggs to kind of keep my cholesterol down. Nothing at all like Houston Texans linebacker Brian Cushing. Brian Cushing, there was a report this week that said that each morning he drinks cold coffee mixed with half a stick of butter to ingest what? good fats. Cold coffee and half a stick of butter. First of all, is it any more nutritious if it's cold? What is, what's the... It might maybe it helps half a stick of butter to go down. I don't... <laughs> I can't Jeez. imagine how awful that must taste. That's disgusting. Wow. I'm certainly not getting up early to have that for breakfast. I could skip breakfast if that's what was 
offered me every day. Yeah. I mean, if somebody was going to make me an omelet, I'd get up early for breakfast, but I'm not getting up early to make an omelet. I'm certainly. Oh, I don't mind that. I don't mind making the omelet, but I'm not getting up for coffee and half no, a stick of butter. No, certainly not for that. That's nasty. Coming up later on the program, we'll talk about Johnny Manziel and what has to change, if anything, for him to succeed in the NFL. Plus, we'll have our pests of the week. We'll play shenanigans, some useless information, and I'll tell you what really frosts my fanny. All coming up on this week's Beyond the Game. Have you been hearing some strange noises up in the attic or in other parts of your house? Well, it's that time of year again. Mice, squirrels, and other critters are making their way into your homes to escape the cold weather. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today and they will take care of the problem. They'll do it quickly, professionally, and affordably. Town & Country is also equipped to handle bed bug problems. Early detection is key, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426-5024. That's 426-5024. Town & Country's initial treatment success rate and their guarantee are well above industry average. And when an emergency rodent or animal control situation finds you, Town & Country is ready to handle whatever pest problem you may have. Remember, Town & Country fears nothing but God. So call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Let's face it, sometimes life hurts, and it can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are dealing with painful struggles due to such things as divorce, depression, addiction, eating disorders, abuse, self-injury, and more. Hundreds of students from the ages of 12 to 24 have been given the tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program and many lives have been changed. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1.30 until 3.30 p.m. and is free of charge. Hope Church is located at 1301 Vintage Lane in Greece. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church's office at 585-723-4673. That's 585-723-4673. And ask for Jill. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. Benson and Barletta with you on this Saturday morning. You know, as most everyone knows, obviously there was multiple head coaching changes in the NFL. Some are settled. Some, you know, are still in the process. Uh, There's a few things, though, amidst these reports that seemed unusual to some degree to me. For instance, the Eagles needed permission from the New York Giants to even discuss their opening with Tom Coughlin. It was weird because it was a result of the way Coughlin left the Giants. I had said with several weeks to go in the season, I didn't think the Giants were going to fire Tom Coughlin. It's just not how they roll. They have too much class to fire a guy who won them a couple of Super Bowls. And, I mean, it was fairly clear, though, Coughlin wasn't coming back. And, in fact, really wasn't welcome back. It didn't seem. But it would appear he had the opportunity to resign. Had he been fired, however, he would have been free to talk to anybody at any time. But because, in all likelihood, he agreed to step down with a year remaining on his contract, the Giants then retained the rights to have to give permission to anyone wanted to interview him. But one would think, wouldn't you, that if Coughlin, by agreeing to step down, he probably got the Giants uh, their word that they wouldn't deny any interview, wouldn't you think? Right. 
It's just a weird situation, though, that the Eagles would have to approach the Giants about interviewing a guy. Yeah, a division rival. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, really was let go. Mm -hmm. But the Giants got him to agree to step down. Another thing that seemed weird to me, that was when the Eagles fired Chip Kelly, the official statement by the team said that they had, quote-unquote, released him. What's the difference? And sometimes I, I see this. Obviously, one's much more harsh than the other, right? If you're mm -hmm. fired, that's fairly harsh. If you're released, you're just given freedom. Yeah, usually you see fired or let go or relieved of duties. Released is a little strange. USA Today and CBS Sports reported he was fired while ESPN went with released. The official statement from the Eagles used released. That struck me as odd. I thought that too when I saw the headline on ESPN that said Eagles released Chip Kelly. And I thought, well, he's one of those guys that ESPN really enjoys talking about a lot. Um... So I thought maybe because he's the headline guy for them that they were using kinder terminology. I didn't realize that was the term that the team used. Yeah, the team used that and others picked up, like I said, CBS Sports mm -hmm. and USA Today um, both use fire. So I'm listening to a sports station out of Cleveland, and they're talking about their job. And they compared the Cleveland opening to the San Francisco uh, 49ers opening. said they're... Okay. About the same. They didn't want to mm -hmm. lose a coach to the San Francisco. They said, why would we lose a coach? This is the conversation on, I don't even know what station, but it was a station out of Cleveland, a couple of sports talk guys. And they said that, again, the Browns were on equal footing with the 49ers. And that, that struck me odd because I wouldn't think that to be true. So it got me thinking of the openings that have been out there. Is there one that you think, well, which is the best? opening and which is the worst opening the one that i mean if i were a free agent coach and could pick where i would go i think i would go to tampa bay to be honest really i think yeah and i haven't heard a lot of people say that which confuses me because as you've mentioned before we started the show the weather's great it's tampa yeah so others, you get the weather that's one thing going for you you've got your franchise quarterback in Jameis winston so you don't have to worry about finding him of all the teams listed, they might have, aside from the Giants, the most offensive weapons. You got Mike Evans, who's a stud. You got Vincent Jackson, who's a big target. He may be becoming a free agent, but, but you they bring traditionally him back. are awful. They've had mm -hmm. a couple of good years, but for the most part, over their entire history, they've not had many good teams. Not since the Gruden era. But um, I, I just feel like, as far as the the complexion of the team that you would be taking over. They're the closest to being able to just put up points and, and be a good team, you know, not having to find a quarterback, having some pieces in place. I, I would like the Bucks. I almost want to excuse myself from the discussion because it's going to sound like, you know, I, everybody knows I'm a Giants fan. Mm -hmm. But to me, the Giants would be the premier job that's been available. You got a, a, a team that historically has been competitive, that has a long history that has ownership that doesn't meddle, doesn't get in the way. Like, for instance, Dallas. You almost think, man, you coach the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. How awesome would that be? And it would be if it wasn't for the meddlesome ownership that they have. Yeah. But to me, I think the Giants, with their history, is the job you'd want to have of the openings. Mm -hmm. It definitely is that. 
The ownership situation might be the best, although the Glazers in Tampa Bay are pretty pretty good owners. The only thing with me, if you're making a list of pros and cons, all those things you said are pros. You can throw Odell Beckham Jr. in there as a pro on the pro list. You can throw out the fact that they sell out their stadium year after year after year after year. So oh, yeah. the, the financial resources of the New York Giants are there. And coaches there traditionally get a long leash. Um, like you said, they weren't going to just oh, fire They're tremendously yeah. loyal to their coaches. I, I think the, the downside there is the defense was really bad. And not that it wasn't in these other places. The fact that Jerry Reese is still around as the general manager and he really, I thought, deserved to go with Tom Coughlin. You know, I've heard people say that and I, and I think he's given you enough reasons to question, perhaps. But the Giants were in most of those games. They could have yeah. won. That could have been a 10 win team, maybe even 11. Um, they could have won a lot of these games with the same players that Jerry Reese put on the field. So That's to true. say that, well, they, they lost most of their games because of the players Jerry Reese put out there. They were in a position to win yeah. with those very same players. I agree that he's given some reasons to, to question him, but by the same token, I think he's done a lot of good things and, uh, I could have said, oh, yeah, all right, I can see it if you let him go. But by the same token, I, I think he's deserved to stay around. But let's talk for a minute about what would be the worst one out there. What job do you definitely not want? Unless, I'm, I gotta tell you, no matter who it is, they called me and said, hey, Rick, you want to coach fo- a football team? Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, okay. Whatever, I'm in. Well, I mean, if you coach the Cleveland Brown, you figure you'll get fired after a year or two and keep collecting checks for two after that. So, you know, it's probably. <laughs> but a if good you situation. are a real person, you're a real coach. You're not me thinking, okay, yeah, cool, I'll do it. It, it would still be the Browns for me. Yeah, they've shown that they they will fire a coach. They got a quick hook for coaches, even if the coach doesn't have a lot to work with. But they don't have much of a running game. They don't have a quarterback. Their defense was bad. They've got a couple of good offensive linemen who probably want out and are going to be traded. So there's really not much going for you. Plus, you're in Cleveland. The city is cursed. The uniforms are terrible. There's literally nothing going for you if you go to Cleveland. Yeah, I would agree. That's the worst job. In my opinion, the Giants is probably the best opening. I think the San Francisco 49ers, that's where we open this conversation. And I know you actually sort of agreed with those guys in Cleveland that that's not a great job. And maybe because I'm older, I'm I'm weighing the franchise itself, the history of the club, into the equation. And San Francisco has a great history. Yeah. I think if you look at the history of the 49ers, their history is great quarterbacks and great wide receivers. Right now, your quarterback is Blaine Gabbert. I don't know that I want to take over a team where I know my starting quarterback is probably going to be one of Kaepernick or Gabbert. Let's turn to baseball for a minute. Remember that case where the Houston Astros accused the St. Louis Cardinals of hacking into their computer and, and stealing player data? Yeah. I'm, I still am completely shocked at how few people care about this story. When, when reports first came out, I don't know, what is it was a year and a half ago, maybe it was spring. I, Something like that. Nobody seemed to care then. It made no news. There was no splash, no significant coverage, no real traction. This is a major league baseball team. This is the St. Louis Cardinals, arguably mm-hmm. the best run organization in all of baseball. Their 11 championships are second all time, trailing only the 27 
won by the Yankees. You see how I slipped that in there? Oh, yeah. Well done. This is the Cardinals stealing player information. How is this any different than the New England Patriots and Spygate? I think it's, I think it's worse, to be honest with you. But the Patriots have their reputation and the Cardinals have the reputation as the team that does things the right way, the Cardinal way. There's nowhere near the same reaction to this. And unless you were digging deep, into the sports section, maybe finding it somewhere in between those multiple car dealership ads. There was this tiny little report last Friday that the former scouting director of the St. Louis Cardinals pleaded guilty in federal court to hacking into the player database and email system of the Houston Astros. This is a big deal. Uh, Chris Correa pleaded guilty to five counts of unauthorized access of a protected computer from 2013 and into at least 2014, and it was interesting that they worded it that way, at least 2014. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, by the way, that coincides with the same year he was promoted to director of baseball development in St. Louis. So he used these things. He got himself a promotion based on that. The Cardinals fired Correa last summer, and he could be facing up to five years in prison on each of those charges. He'll be sentenced um, in April. And it's possible Major League Baseball could discipline the Cardinals, maybe with a fine, a loss of some draft picks. Korea admitted in court, I accept responsibility in this case. I trespassed repeatedly. Well, good for him that at least he's well, not, he admit, you know. Yeah, well, he's under pressure, but repeatedly. So it wasn't just this one time. The prosecuting attorney said that the hacking cost of Houston Astros $1.7 million. I don't know how you get to this number, but whatever. I'm sure they have a system. But considering how that data was used by the Cardinals to draft players, the FBI said Korea used a password similar to the one used on a laptop by a Cardinals player who went, or a Cardinals employee who took a job with the Astros. He turns in his laptop, his Cardinals own laptop. They get the password and then they used it to break into the Astros system. The Astros are reported to have changed passwords. They changed their website address and other security protocols only to have this cat hack right back into the email system and pull out information and and details and get right back into the system. And, like, you know, you're a big numbers guy. The Astros are big sabermetrics people. They've openly talked about this database called Ground Control. Mm -hmm. And apparently even the Houston Chronicle did a detailed report on the database Included in that article were statistics, contract information, and even scouting reports, and that they were stored in a web address protected by a password. Mm -hmm. So I'm not defending the Cardinals here, um, but if it's in the Houston Chronicle, you got to upgrade your your data defense system. You You better get some different passwords. Google tells you if your password is weak. Mm-hmm. Right, you go in there and you say, "Ah, oh, it's weak." Now it's strong. You change it up. It, this seems crazy to me. It is, and that from what we've learned about ground control and what I've read about it, it's it's an incredible and impressive achievement that they built. They've got scouting reports on their own players, on other teams' players, on foreign players, on on everything. And protect it better. Exactly. You would think that you know it, it's it's like the guy whose combination on his luggage is one two three. You know it, it's. You've got to have something in place <laughs> to keep it better guarded. How does that even have? Hey, Zach, um, I want to do an article. I'm writing for the 
the Rochester newspaper, and I, I want to do an article on, on your website and all your passwords and stuff. You're going to give me access to all that? I'm going to print it in the paper? Nope. That's nuts. You have a lot of useless information in your head. It's as useless as the Winter Olympics. You are useless, Ignacio. It's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. Speaking of that's nuts, I stumbled across a stat uh, this week after the Seahawks-Vikings game on Sunday from ESPN Stats and Information that I thought I would share with you. The Seahawks became just the third team in NFL history to win a postseason game after not scoring through the first three quarters. You remember the Seahawks went into the fourth quarter having not scored and trailing 9 to nothing before coming back and winning that game when Minnesota missed a field goal. The only two teams previous in NFL history to win a postseason game after not scoring in the first three quarters were the 1978 Falcons and the 1948 Eagles. So do you remember either of those games, the 78 Falcons or the 48 Eagles? <laughs> No, I don't remember them. Although I could very well have a recollection of the 78 game, but no, I wasn't watching it. But this past week, you know, I saw a tweet by somebody who said that they were disappointed by this weekend's wild card games. And I wasn't disappointed. I thought, I thought the Seahawks caught a break. That one came down to the last minute. Mm -hmm. The Bengals, I've never seen a team implode the way they did. And that was a close game. Now, the, Chiefs game was a bit of a blowout, and the Packers game, I mean... The Packers turned it on a bit in the second There half. was plenty of scoring, you know. It, it, so those... I wasn't disappointed by those games. No, I thought I thought they were good games, to be honest. I I, um, I mean, the, the one with the Packers, or not the Packers, the Seahawks and the Vikings, yeah, it was low scoring, but I mean, you're watching guys play in sub-zero temperatures. It's amazing <laughs> they could even move. Yeah, I... What those conditions were awful. Yeah, and the kickers are you know you're basically kicking a brick at that point. I I feel bad for the Blair Walsh who missed that field goal because you know what he was doing had to hurt. Speaking of feeling bad, there was one guy that sent out this tweet that he does think the Bengals fans deserved that win over the Steelers. I'm thinking deserved it. Your players went nuts, you know, mm -hmm. during the game, and your fans are applauding a. Quarterback who got hurt. And throwing beer cans at him. And then there was that one report of the one fan was peeing on another fan. Yeah, it was. If that kind of behavior, you don't deserve anything. And Marvin Lewis needs to go. The, mm -hmm. the Bengals, my goodness, you keep bringing on these low-character guys onto your roster. And then when these low-character guys do what it is they will naturally do, you can't be surprised by that. Your choice, he had a direct involvement in that loss. Oh, yeah. I, I hold him responsible as much as I do the other and guys. And I trace that back to his days with Baltimore because the Ravens had those aggressive, play right on the edge of out of control type of crazy guy. Ray Lewis was a nightmare, you know, but with Baltimore, those guys knew where the line was and they were professional about it. And Ray, I feel like, Marvin Lewis thinks that he can do that same thing in Cincinnati, but these aren't the same guys. Unfortunately, those type of guys are going to do what they do, and it's going to cost you sooner or later. You're listening to Beyond the Game. We're going to take a quick break. Coming up later in the program, we're going to talk about 
Johnny Menzel. We also got some of our regular features, such as shenanigans, pest of the week. Right after this break, Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. The new self-titled album from the Derringers is now available on iTunes and Spotify. With haunting lyrics which reveal the passion behind each song, their harmonies and acoustic styling blend together superbly for a unique sound that feels like home. Download the Derringers today. The five-song EP is just $4.95 and available now on iTunes and Spotify. McAfee's Remodeling is a full-service remodeling company, locally owned and operated for nearly two decades. McAfee's team of professionals can help remodel or replace your windows, and for exterior and interior remodels, no one beats their personal and professional service. Call McAfee's Remodeling at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Let's face it, sometimes life hurts, and it can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are dealing with painful struggles due to such things as divorce, depression, addiction, eating disorders, abuse, self-injury, and more. Hundreds of students from the ages of 12 to 24 have been given the tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program, and many lives have been changed. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1.30 until 3.30 p.m. and is free of charge. Hope Church is located at 1301 Vintage Lane in Greece. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church's office at 585-723-4673. That's 585-723-4673. And ask for Jill. Welcome back to Beyond the Game. This is going back a few weeks, but we didn't really get to it on the last show or two. But the report of Johnny Manziel's alleged trip to Las Vegas is fairly nutty, isn't it? It's it's something that you almost wouldn't believe it was true. It's so with him was he wearing a fake mustache? Various and stuff reports, and- yeah. Say he rocked a blonde wig, a fake mustache, glasses, a hoodie, and went by the name of Billy. I saw there's already T-shirts with a picture of him with that with that disguise on it. Apparently staying out to like 2 or 3 in the morning and then asked for his drinks to be comped so that he could avoid using a credit card that would identify him, the whole trying to stay under the radar. You know, maybe that's what Chris Carter is talking about when he says you need a fall guy. Get your drinks comped so that you can cover up your sins, you know, cover up where you've, you've been. you got to have a fall guy. That's just sort of a snippet though of the bigger problem with Manziel how does how special does a guy have to think himself to be I get a sense that this this probably wasn't a drink or two that he was asking about this was more likely a few hours of drinking and I tend to think he probably had friends right you always got those people clinging on that tagging along don't you think this was probably a good sized tab he rang up and then to expect not to pay for it says something about the guy Mm mm-hmm uh, there's something there that I, I don't want to pay for this. How special do you think you are? 
I mean, what if I rolled up into the Chinese buffet? I say, come on, Zach, you, me, our wives will run up a tab and then ask them to comp us because we don't want people to know we were there. It's preposterous. Mm -hmm. You don't do that. To top it off, then Manziel goes missing for a good part of that Sunday after not showing up to the Browns facility. He was supposed to go through the through the league's protocol steps. So not only is he just dismissing the Browns, but he's dismissing the league. This is the league's protocol that you go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that attitude of being maybe too special where the rules just don't apply. Of course, I don't know the guy. It just from observing from afar. Mm-hmm. It just seems like the rules don't apply to him. And that's who he's been his whole life, his time in in college and everything. He was always that guy, you know, and then it, it seems like he hasn't really matured or adjusted to the NFL at all. And that's not even the most ridiculous, maybe even most pathetic aspect of this report. Seemingly, he attempted to cover his tracks by posting an Instagram picture with he and his dog with an Ohio geotag on the picture. Yep, just spending a quiet evening at home here in Ohio, me and my dog. Are you crazy? Sports Illustrated has said the Browns are just so done. That was their words, quote unquote, so done. Oh yeah. With Menzel. Who can blame them? And the Cowboys are, are rumored to be interested. Good luck. By the if the Dallas Cowboys sign him, they deserve every bit of trouble that he creates for them. Mm-hmm. Every bit of it. And and I heard it this way. I think it was Chris Russo that I heard say this, and, and this sums it up pretty well. It seems like Manziel is more interested in being a celebrity than he is in being a quarterback. And mm-hmm. as you just said, you saw that at Texas A&M. To disregard your employer, disrespect the people who have gone to bat for you the way Man- Manziel has, doing what he wants to do without any concern for them is just pathetic. But to try to cover it up like he did with the dog picture and the the blonde wig and all that, wanting to use, not wanting to use his credit card. Now this is just childish and sad. It's a I guy mean, that's you can't trust. How are you going to make him your franchise quarterback if you can't trust him? Grow up. I was talking about this with a friend, and he went um, Bible on me. And he says, you know, God says your sins will find you out. And I'm okay. I'm, I'm not going to split hairs. Or I, I should say I didn't split hairs, but I'm about to split hairs. All right. Um, since I know what he was trying to say, you know, but that's not really what God said. The phrase is found in Numbers 32.23. It says, Ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin. While it's often quoted as sins, notice that it, it's actually singular. Moses wrote the passage, and in it he's really referring to one particular sin, that being this, this stubborn refusal to follow the Lord, to wholly follow the Lord completely sold out, to not follow God's instruction to sit idly by and do nothing is a sin. Eventually, it becomes evident. Let me give you an example. Christians have sat by for a long time, uh, not taking part of the voting process, not being part of the political Mm -hmm. scene. And now we have things like abortion. The murder of innocent children is is commonplace. It's lightly regarded. You hear people just say, oh, I'll just get an abortion like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a direct result of Christians not doing anything by percentage. I'm not saying all Christians that way. The Apostle Paul understood that 
Some sins may, in fact, not find you out. They may not be discovered, but there will be a day of reckoning before God. The Apostle Paul understood that sins could indeed be kept secret. He said in Romans 2.16 that in that in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to the gospel, a thief may cover up his crimes, and he may get away with it in this life, and it's frustrating. Evil or lustful thoughts may go undetected. A secret porn addiction may be hidden for years, but the sin of half-heartedness that Moses was talking about towards the things of God, that's always going to find you out. It's always going to be revealed, and that's what Moses was saying. Can't you see right through people who serve God and aren't really into it? You see right through it, perhaps serving out of obligation or, or because they were guilted into it. That's why it's never a good idea to kind of push somebody into serving somewhere. Don't mm-hmm. guilt them into it. If they don't want to do it, don't make them do it because they're going to go about it half-heartedly. And I believe that's a sin based on what we're reading in Numbers thirty-two twenty-three. God had commanded the nation of Israel to pass over Jordan and possess the land which God had given them. You see that in Deuteronomy, uh, their inheritance being on the other side of Jordan. I heard one preacher say this, that the crossing of the Red Sea was kind of like leaving the world and all its idols and distractions, but that that second crossing, that second crossing of the Jordan was likened to a real conversion, dying to oneself. This was going all out for Christ. And Manziel's approach as a quarterback strikes me as half-hearted. It it shows in his performance. He's not really into it. He wants to be the celebrity. He wants to have all the good things. He just doesn't seem to get it at this point. You sent me an article, Zach, uh, about Noah Spence. Mm-hmm. If you remember, Noah Spence was defensive lineman, Ohio State, was actually Urban Meyer's first five-star recruit at Ohio State. He was the real deal, not only being an all-Big Ten athlete as a sophomore, but was also named an academic all-Big Ten. Spence kept this secret drug addiction from his family and his teammates. After he failed a drug test prior to the 2013 Big Ten title game, he was suspended for three games, including the Orange Bowl. He lied and said someone slipped something into his drink. But the thing about Spence in this article that he said he was so athletic, he was so talented that he could outperform everybody on the on the practice field, and nobody knew it. And the whole time he's taking drugs, mm-hmm. he's high as he's playing. A year later, he tests positive for ecstasy and. He's, at that point, permanently banned from the Big Ten. Again, this was right before a a national championship, right before the Big Big Ten title game and eventually the bowl game. He missed the national championship. Spence knew he messed up. He said, immediately, I felt like I failed my family. Urban Meyer told him, it's on you. You either change your life or you lose your life. And that's how it is in our lives. I mean, we either got to change our life and deal with sin we're going to lose our life. So he did. He changed his life. On his phone, he blocked all the numbers from the people that were with him when, whenever he took the drugs. He cleared those people out. Many figured that he'd go on, he'd just enter the NFL and hope to catch on, but he actually opted to transfer to a, an FCS school. That had to take a lot of courage. Here you are, a star at Ohio State. Now mm-hmm. you're going to a place like Eastern Kentucky. That's a big step down. Yeah. He says, I felt like I hadn't proven enough off the field. So good for him for do that. And with help from Meyer, he transfers to Eastern Kentucky, and he asks for accountability 
accountability purposes to be put on every drug testing list they had. And accountability is so key. Without some type of accountability checks built into your life, staying clear of sin, especially those persistent ones which we have weaknesses towards, without those accountability checks in our life, it's so much more difficult. It's just too easy to hide our sin and let it continue and only strengthen its hold on us. Well, this past May, Spence was arrested for alcohol intoxication and second-degree disorderly conduct. Allegedly, he threw a bottle, missed the garbage can, and it kind of exploded all And policemen saw it, wrote the kid up. It's since been expunged, and he did some community service. I don't know what really happened. Maybe that's the truth, maybe it's not. But I know that sometimes in our battles against sin, we will slip a little here or there. We will mess up. The important thing is to catch yourself right at that moment, not allow it to grow into a bigger problem. Now, Noah Spence is excelling on the field. He's going to graduate with a degree. He still hopes to play in the NFL, but he knows there's always going to be skeptics because of his background. There may be forgiveness of sin, but the consequences remain. Now, Manziel, he's playing around with his sin. He's not he's not dealing with it. He's trying to cover it up with disguises and posts on Instagram that would seem to throw you off the trail. Like many of us, he's not taking them seriously. He's not dealing with them, not even acknowledging them. Noah Spence dealt with his head on, admittedly doing so as a result of some tough consequences that came his way. Can I just say, if you have sin in your life, and we all do, I want to encourage you to deal with it. Don't try to cover it up. Don't wait until there are unfortunate consequences. Perhaps you're taking a half-hearted approach to the things of God, or maybe even no concern at all to those things. Unconfessed sin in our lives robs us of joy, and it keeps us from experiencing all that God has planned. But it doesn't need to remain a hindrance in your relationship with God. You can find total cleansing. You can find complete cleansing by confessing them to God, seeking his forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you have no relationship with him at all, I want to leave you with just this verse. It's Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shalt believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I'm so pleased you're with us. God's word is never without purpose. And I believe it's God's design that you've been listening to this segment. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to consider these things and to follow through on whatever God may be speaking to your heart. Be sure your sin will find you out. That's that sin of not wholly being sold out to God, not going the distance, not crossing over. This is Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country, Pest Solutions. Hey, let me ask you, are you still seeing those pesky stink bugs around your home? Though the weather has been a little milder than normal, if you're still seeing them, it may mean that they found a home with you. Listen, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, and they will take care of the problem. And they'll do it quickly, professionally, and affordably. Seeing too many spiders around the house? Call Town & Country. Other creepy, crawly things move in out of the weather? Call Town & Country. 
Larger noises coming from the attic, walls, or basement? Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today at 426-5024. That's 426-5024. And when an emergency rodent or animal control situation finds you, Town & Country is ready to handle whatever pest problem you may have. Remember, Town & Country fears nothing but God. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions at 426-5024 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Let's face it, sometimes life hurts, and it can be especially painful for young people. But thankfully, God heals. Hope Church in Greece is offering a 12-week program called Life Hurts, God Heals. This program is intended to help students who are dealing with painful struggles due to such things as divorce, depression, addiction, eating disorders, abuse, self-injury, and more. Hundreds of students from the ages of 12 to 24 have been given the tools to help overcome life's difficulties through this program and many lives have been changed. Life Hurts, God Heals is offered on Sundays from 1.30 until 3.30 p.m. and is free of charge. Hope Church is located at 1301 Vintage Lane in Greece. For more information, please visit the church's website, sharethehope.org, or call the church's office at 585-723-4673. That's 585-723-4673. And ask for Jill. I feel like we've already covered quite a bit of ground on this show. We've covered a lot of stuff already. Yeah, we have. We jumped all over the place. But now I want to play shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. Do you have a couple of statements ready to go where I can agree, disagree? I do. Perfect. It's almost like we talk about the show before we go in to record it. Almost. Almost. <laughs> wink, wink. All right. The Chiefs' complete destruction of the Texans this past weekend proves that their 10-game winning streak was no fluke and they're legitimate title contenders. Mm, you know, I agree. I don't think you reel off that many wins. What It's 11 now with the playoff win? Yes against NFL teams without a legitimate team. I mean, I realize they have to go on the road, which makes it tough, but Kansas City is solid, and there's nobody in the AFC that I say they don't have a chance against. So I agree. I, I'm i glad you agreed because I call shenanigans. Uh, before the 10-game winning streak, they were on a five-game losing streak, and I think the true talent level is somewhere in between those two. I, you know the saying, you're never as good as you look when you're winning or as bad as you look when you're losing. During this winning streak, they beat some bad and or injury-ravaged teams like the Browns, the Ravens, the Chargers with no healthy receivers, beat the Steelers when the Steelers had to play their third-string quarterback, um, won a 10-3 to game against the Chargers. In a, they're a good football team, but I don't think they're in that top tier of legitimate Super Bowl contenders. If you're new to the program, Shenanigans is... Uh little segment we do where Zach will give out a statement, and I'll either agree, disagree. He'll either agree or disagree with his own statement, which sounds like he's confused in his own mind, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I, but I am interested to know what you, the listener, think um, on any of these. Tweet us at, at BTG Program on Twitter. Use the hashtag shenanigans, and for any of these, I'd be interested to know what you think. So, Zach, give us another statement. With new coaches this coming season, 
the Giants and Eagles will both be playoff contenders. Shenanigans. Well, I think the Eagles will be. I think they're pretty solid. I think the Giants, though, they desperately need help on defense. And if Odell Beckham were to go down, the offense would be hard-pressed to find any consistency at all. The Eagles, though, should have been should have been much better than the way they played under Chip Kelly this year. So I say shenanigans to both of them being playoff contenders as much as I would like the Giants to be. I think they're, I think the way it is now, they'd have a hard time. Well, so far we're two for two on disagreeing with each other because I agree. Uh, I think so, more so the Giants than the Eagles, actually. But I think both teams are too talented not to bounce back. Um, you made the point earlier in the show that the Giants were right in a bunch of those games that they lost and maybe should have won a few of them. Um, of course, with the Eagles, if you made a team of ex-Eagles players that Chip Kelly got rid of, that team would probably beat the current Eagles team. But with a new coach and a quarterback and a, and a good draft, I think they'll be good. The Giants already can score points, so with a new coach and an offseason dedicated to the defense, I think they'll be good. I think they could both be at least wildcard contenders next year. To the NHL, the Rangers and Islanders were both expected to dominate in the East, but both have slumped. Both teams, Raiders and Islanders, need to make trades to fix their issues. I agree, but I'd like to see them trade for coaches. I think <laughs> it's really a bigger issue for the Rangers. I mean, can you trade for a coach? Because that's the Rangers desperately needing. Sean Payton might be available. The Islanders have the parts, though. What they need is just some consistency, and I think that comes maybe a little discipline from the coaching because um, – they they just don't seem to get a full 60 minutes worth effort. Mm-hmm. But they got a lot of good parts. And, you know, another score wouldn't hurt. But and The Rangers and Islanders really are, are extremely similar, not just in the way that they play, but in the struggles that they've had as well, I think. Uh, it's funny that you talked about trading head coaches because we didn't share our notes on these questions, and that's what I started my response with. Oh, if really? you're talking about trading for a new head coach, that would fix a lot of these issues, at least for the Rangers. Uh, but the trade they really need to make is to move one or both of their two aging, overpaid defensemen, Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl. But both of those guys have no movement clauses, so fixing this team with a trade would be a really tough thing to do. Um, the Islanders, at the time of this recording, have allowed 18 goals over their last four games, barely got any pucks on net at all through the first two periods against the Flyers on Saturday. They've got to do something to tighten up their puck possession, so... The Islanders definitely, I think, need to make a trade. The Rangers, um, who knows? You know what frosts my fanny? You watch your language. Did that totally frost your fanny? Get off my lawn. Man, that'll frost your fanny. If your life had a face, I would punch it. That really frosts my fanny. Easy, compadre. Did I just frost your fanny? As a matter of fact, you did. You know, we talked about the wild card games last weekend, and you know, I wasn't disappointed by him, but I'll tell you what, what really frosted my fanny is the broadcasters who are not broadcasters. Um, maybe that's us though. <laughs> uh, maybe I should back up, but you know what I mean. Just because a guy used to be a player or he used to be a coach doesn't mean he's a broadcaster. Usually these guys are the color commentator role and that's fine. I get it. They know the game. They have some insights that only those who were in the game at one time might have. They can explain certain situations, which we may not otherwise understand. However, some of them are talking increasingly more and more and more with each broadcast to the point where it's though 
it's as if they're all just talking to hear their own voice. Which brings me to John Gruden. <laughs> Mike Tirico is superb. He's excellent. He's among the best in He's the game. He's the best, I think. Uh, but I don't need Gruden, who's, I, I get, he's obviously intelligent, but he's talking all over Tirico. And I get sometimes the game is out of hand. I know sometimes that happens and the announcers want to keep their audience, so they try to make it seem as though there's still a chance. For instance, in last week's wild card game in, in Houston, the Chiefs had a 27 nothing lead with nine minutes to go. 27 zip, nine minutes to go. They've controlled it pretty much throughout. And Gruden says of Alex Smith, let's see if he can finish. Finish what? <laughs> this game has been finished for a while. Yeah, it has. I mean, my goodness. And then there's Chris Collinsworth in the Viking Seahawks game. How many, t- I, I couldn't count how many times he talked about the many people who gave Minnesota no chance in this game. Who are those people? I, where are they? I, I never heard of anybody who gave Minnesota no chance. For most of the time, I thought it was kind of a pick 'em type situation. And most people I talked to were a little on the fence about, boy, I don't know, that's a tough game for Seattle to go in there without Marshawn Lynch yeah. and win. Now, and really, had he not missed that field goal, Vikings had him. Yeah. In fact, I listened to a podcast uh, before the game, a CBS sports podcast where both the announcers picked the Vikings. I don't think anybody was saying that the Vikings. But several times in, in the broadcast, Collinsworth made reference to n- people not giving Minnesota a chance. They wrote them off. I don't know if anybody liked that. Maybe that was Collinsworth's mom. Broadcasters who are not broadcasters, Frost, my fanny. <clears throat> Pete Rose. <clears throat> That's another great <laughs> example. He's he so was bad. he was horror bad. I mean, that was terrible job that he did. I felt bad for the rest of the guys that he was working with, the rest of the crew, because it, the couple of times it was awkward. You know, Gruden for the usually does a good job, but I I find that more and more and more, I don't know if he's getting caught up in his own celebrity and that those segments he does on ESPN with the. The quarterback camp or camp group. Where he whatever. loves every quarterback he's oh, ever my, seen. Those are painful to watch. <laughs> there's they a, are, they're there's painful. a Twitter account that I follow. It's a fake John Gruden, but all the stuff he tweets is stuff you could totally imagine Gruden saying. Like he'll be like, Texans and Chiefs. There's Alfred Blue and Eric Berry. Blue and Berry on the same field. Whoa. Now I need a muffin. <laughs> like it's just, it's, oh my gosh. It's so funny. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town and Country Pest Solutions townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. At the end of every show, we go around the room, give you our pest of the week. I want to tell you that this week, my pest is the Edmonton Oilers. After taking a two-game, a two-goal lead, excuse me, in the third period of last Friday's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, a two-goal lead, the Oilers end up losing three to two. Not a big deal, you say? Well, it was because they lost due to accidentally deflecting three goals into their own nest. Plus, it all happened in a span of just 12 minutes. The first one by Brandon Davidson, followed 10 minutes later by another one by Taylor Hall. And just a few minutes after that, another one, which obviously turned out to be the game-winning one, by Darnell Nurse. Now, listen, I don't mind. I'll take the win. I'm, You know I like to get down with the lightning, so I don't mind, but... You have a two-goal lead, and then you lose 3-2 to on three consecutive own goals. Good enough. 
or bad enough, I should say, for my pest of the week. My pest of the week, actually, is eerily similar. It's Dan Girardi of the New York Rangers. During the game on Saturday against the Capitals, he gets the puck behind his own net. For whatever reason, goes against everything you're taught when you're playing hockey from the time you're a child, throws the puck out in front of his own net, and there's Alex Ovechkin, the greatest goal scorer in the game today, sitting with an empty net to shoot at. Easy goal for the Capitals. You and I have talked about this off air, how much I want Dan Girardi off this Rangers team, but that was one of the worst things that I've ever seen, and so he is my pest of the week. I think on the next program, we're going to let you do the Frost My Fanny segment, and you can just talk about Jan Girardi for the entire segment. Oh, man. That would end up being the Frost My Fanny and the Unreasonable Rant. It would just be, I don't know that we want to risk that. You know, just thinking back to what I said earlier about the announcers a few minutes ago, um, I still think the best product for a football game is on TV. I heard a discussion the other day. People were talking about would they want to go to one of the playoff games, or specifically, would you want to go to a Super Bowl? They're running a lot of contests now. Go to the big game, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, I don't think I'd want to go. For instance, the behavior of the fans in Cincinnati, again, that report, uh, what was there, five or six or seven arrests, I which is yeah. not all that uncommon, but peeing on somebody, somebody relieving themselves on the back of another fan sitting in front of you, I don't, I don't want that, and to go to a Super Bowl, I think you get a much better product on your TV at home. I can sit in my chair. Mm-hmm. I, I can get up and go to the bathroom in private. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I got, can go make some snacks. Um, now, I know you went to the final Bills game of the season this year. You yeah. had a great time, but that was a father and son thing, you and your brother and your dad, right? Yeah, we had a great time. We sat next to some Canadians, Jets fans, which I didn't know were a real thing. But... um for the Super Bowl, I like being at a Super Bowl party, having food, but I like five minutes later being able to go home and go to bed, not be in traffic, getting away from some congested stadium. I, for the Super Bowl, unless my team's in it, I think I'd rather be home for it. You know, it's been quite a few years since I've gone to a professional football game, and I don't have any desire. Unless somebody gave me, like, box seats up in a booth somewhere, it's warm, it's cozy, it's comfortable, I have no real desire to go to a live football game. And I don't know that the NFL is necessarily worried about me, but I think that product on TV is terrific. So I agree. I mean, maybe I think everything I said against announcers, but I guess I was only speaking of certain announcers. And Yeah, yeah, if you get a good enough crew. I mean, it, uh, but you know what? If you're sitting in your house, it's climate controlled. It's not, you're not uh, having to brave stadium restrooms with a whole bunch of drunk people. You know, that's the worst thing for me is, is just the so many alcohol consumption it. and the drunkenness that is involved in professional sports or spectator. Now, I, I, I enjoy going to a minor league baseball game, but when you start talking professional sports and the amount of money that is spent mm-hmm. and then you have to deal with drunk people, it really takes away from the experience for me. Kind of a down note to end the show on, but um, anyway. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. Give them a call at 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson sent you. We look forward to doing it again next week, but before then, maybe we'll see you in church on Sunday morning.